Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible study in the book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 of Revelation chapter 14. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 7. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. I'll stop reading there. Uh, we're in verse 5 at this point, and the second part of the verse, for they're without fault before the throne of God. And uh, this is the kind of statement that um, it's it's a little difficult to move on from because it's so glorious and wonderful. And uh, we we could just spend a good deal of time thinking about being free, being loosed from under the tremendous burden of the wrath of God, that furious anger that uh, that was upon our heads because of our sin our whole life long until that time and the the time did come in the life of each one of God's elect that time when God determined now I will apply the atoning work of Christ uh, the Lord Jesus to the soul of this chosen individual, and and so God did. Then we're under the hearing of the word of God, and and so maybe we heard it on the radio, or maybe we just picked up our Bible that day and read, or um, there's a thousand ways God could have applied it to us, and and it's again to use an illustration like someone taking hyssop, dipping it in the blood, and applying it to the doorpost. Now now the house is covered, and uh, the angel of death will pass it by. And, and God did that to our soul. He applied what the Lord Jesus had done, the work that he performed on our behalf for our sin when he was slain. Before the world began, and then he he washed our sins away with with the strokes of the hyssop, with the uh, the beautiful blood of the Lord Jesus, and leaves us without fault. And we saw last time that when God predestinated um, from before the foundation of the world, let me look at that again. It's interesting how uh, these ideas are are tied together. In Ephesians 1, verse 4, 
according as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We were chosen to be holy, and and to be holy is to be made without sin, and we were chosen to be without blame before him, before the throne of God. God, um, again, decided, I will love Jacob, and, and with that decision, the decision to love Jacob and not to love Esau, he thereby hated Esau. And by God's grace, by his mercy, uh, we, uh, we are privileged, we are blessed to have been selected, of course, based on nothing we, we have ever done or ever could do. It's not, um, a, a choice according to merit. It's not because we deserve it or have earned it, but it's all according to God's good pleasure. He, he wanted a people. Everyone's equally sinful. There's none righteous. No, not one. None that are good. Uh, Jacob is, is as a dirty, rotten a sinner as Esau. Well, how can God choose? Uh, in this case, I'll take Jacob and I will not select Esau. Uh, let's, uh, take the next, then the next, then the next. And, and the whole company of the elect were determined before any were born. And that's the point that God makes in Romans 9 when he speaks of him making the choice of Jacob over Esau before they were born, before either had done any good or evil. And therefore, before any uh, idea could be formed that this is based on someone uh, obeying God or keeping the law of God or doing a good work has nothing to do with it. That it's based only on God choosing one over another, and and uh, the criteria for the choice is God's good pleasure. Well, in Hebrews, and uh, we're not going to move on quite yet because this is always good for us to think about. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says in um, verse 11, I'll start reading there. But Christ being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 
the two words, without spot, are a translation of the same Greek word that's found in Revelation 14, verse 5, without fault. And it just helps us to see that when God says that his people, and in this case he's referring to the 144,000, those saved during the church age, when he says they are without fault before him, he means exactly that. And to use the same word to speak of the Holy One of Israel, to describe the sinless one, to refer to eternal God himself and all of his holiness and all of his purity and in all of his goodness. The Lord Jesus Christ was without spot. He was the lamb without blemish before God. He had no sin of any kind. And, and the Bible makes a big point of emphasizing that fact in truth. Christ was sinless. He had no sin. He never once transgressed the law of God on any point from uh, his conception to his going to the cross, nor in eternity past, nor in eternity future to come. Christ is without sin. This is one of the most important and greatest teachings of the Bible, which qualified him to be the spotless lamb, to offer up himself for the sins of others, those that that he redeemed. And for God to use the same word of the Lord Jesus, he is without spot, and to apply that word to those that have become saved, and we could substitute that in Revelation 14, Verse 5, for they're without spot before the throne of God. No sin detected. No sin of any kind. We become pure and holy as, as God himself. There is no sin. It is um, that perfect purity that God has accomplished in the lives of his people. And this is an incredible thing that he's taken the filthy and the the dirty, the uh, vile and and contemptuous. He's he's taken the worst sort of sinners that that are dripping with sin in all of their being, in body and soul, and he has cleansed them and washed them and purified them, and made them clean in his sight. What what a, a tremendous thing this is. Well, um, uh, let, let's just look at one last verse before we move on that uses the same word. Th- this is one of those words that when we follow it in the Bible, and, and this is, um, of course, how we compare Scripture with Scripture, we find a word used in one place, and we see how it's used elsewhere, and then God begins defining that word for us, and and this is one of those words that every place that it's used, it seems, it 
it just enriches it and and makes the idea of the thing that God has done on behalf of his people sparkle all the more that that he has performed this work in our lives. In Jude, we read, I'll, I'll start reading in verse 22. Jude is just one chapter epistle right before Revelation. And of some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Well, I'm sure you've seen the word we're looking for in verse 24. God is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Faultless, without fault, without spot, without blame, unblameable. All these words are teaching us that one same truth, that the sins of the people of God are gone. They are gone. Now, at this time that that we're living in, in uh, the day of judgment, in these days after the tribulation, the Lord has fixed and established the spiritual condition of every human being that's now on the face of the earth. Either God applied the blood of Christ to us before he shut the door of heaven because that was the timetable for his applying the blood or for the application of redemption. Um, the, the day of salvation was the period in which uh, basically God was applying the, the finished work of Christ from the foundation of the world. And obviously Christ's work and dying for the sins of his people from the foundation of the world as a past act, and now the application of the blood, the the applying of his work to the souls of those that were chosen to receive it, the elect, is likewise completed and finished, and, and that was accomplished by May 21, 2011, which means that you and myself and um, and the next person and, and the one over there and over here and everyone else in all the world has either received the hyssop with the blood applied to our soul and washed us, cleansed us, and removed from us all sin. It's gone. It's gone. It's cast into the depths of the sea. The Lord will remember it no more. It, it is as far as east is from west, and we know the twain can never meet. The sin is gone. There is no more condemnation because the child of God is without fault before him. Or we're not one of his elect, and therefore the application of the redemptive work of Christ was not 
applied to our soul, and and it never would be if the door stayed open throughout the rest of our life. We we would never have that hyssop with the blood applied to us because God determined to save certain individuals and no more, no others. Well, now the salvation of God has been applied to each person. Either we're made righteous by the righteousness of one, the Lord Jesus, or we are still in our sin, we we bear our sin, and we are still filthy before God, as uh, Revelation 22 explains, the righteous will be righteous. Let me read that verse, just to make sure I quote it right. In Revelation 22, it says in verse 10, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. That This is the condition of every person in the world. And whatever our condition is today and yesterday and every day since May 21 is the same. No one's condition changes. Of course, someone saved could never lose their salvation. But none that are spiritually filthy will now have those sins washed away and be cleansed and and be translated or transformed into a new creature to be made righteous. That will no longer happen. Which means that if we are a believer, a professed believer, and especially if we're struggling with sin, if if there is evidence in our life that we are an elect, that that we're uh, continuing to follow the path that the Bible has set. If we are uh, continuing to endure sound doctrine, we're continuing to go in the direction that um, there is much tribulation. Uh, of course, it's not the great tribulation, but there's much affliction and so forth for the word's sake. And yet we're we're struggling and troubled by our sin it's a it's a good thing to ponder it's a good thing to consider and and uh, the next time you fall into sin think of this that right now this is the case and and it's the the spiritual situation for someone who sins either i'm saved and all, all sin is washed away. The whole mountain of it, from conception up until present, but beyond also for however long I continue to live and, and however many more days and many more sins are added, the whole sum total of sin is gone. If I am a child of God. Then it's guaranteed, it is the truth that my sins have been purged and washed away 
And, and yes, I did commit a sin because I'm still in the flesh. But all the guilt, all the blame, all the um, demand for justice for my sin is also removed. God is not holding me guilty. He, he is not blaming me. Uh, he is not uh, seeking to punish me if I am a child of God and predestinated to salvation from the foundation of the world. And if I have had the blood of Christ applied to me before the door of heaven shut, then all sin is removed from me. God uh, sees nothing to condemn me in any way. Or, of course, if I'm still in my sin, if uh, I am not one of those elect, and and God did not save me by applying his word to my heart before shutting the door of heaven, then this sin that I just committed is not my only problem. My problem is the enormous burden and weight of sin that I've committed throughout my entire life because the whole mass of iniquity is upon me. And I am guilty for this sin as well as all those other sins. And I I think it would be good for us to start thinking that way, that the sins are gone or they all remain. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.